Welcome to the Grassroots Government Podcast. I'm Avery Davidson. Joining me, Carl Wiggers, the producer of this program, and Louisiana Farm Bureau Legislative Specialist Joe Mapes, who's been spending lots of time at the state capitol because we're back in session. That we are, since April, I mean, since... Uh, one week ago. Yes, one week ago, yeah, that's <laughs> right. It's been one week since we went to the capitol. April 10th. Anyway. April 10th. Was that the first day? Yeah, April 10th to there June 8th. You see, it should have been April 1. I that mean, April Fool's Day would be That would be more appropriate. Probably so. Joe, you're a weekend. What's, are you excited to be back in session? You can see that on my face, <laughs> can't you? But, it's an uh, audio platform. But. You know, um, I do enjoy the challenges uh, of a legislative session. It's not all we do every year, obviously. But um, You mean you work more than 60 days a year? Well, you know, uh, much to some people's surprise, yes. You know, some people are like, is that all you do? No, that's when we, we do everything that we do on a normal basis, and then we go to the Capitol every day for 12 to 15 hours and do that on top of everything else. So, so, you, so you enjoy an excuse to come over here and do a podcast? I really do. I really, I'm enjoying the new building. I've always enjoyed your company, Carl, and your company, Avery. So, you know, but, you know, and, and the main thing I like about y'all is y'all are not legislators. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to get a single vote from us because we don't have one to give. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the the votes that are going to be going on. Right. Uh, one of the things, uh, there were articles in The Advocate about um, agricultural burning that led to a... Uh, that led to an editorial, which is now leading to some legislation or potential legislation concerning agricultural burning. What what do you know on that front, Joe? It is, and it does that that story does go back a few months prior to the legislature, and it's it's a good story of how agriculture works together and works with the concerned parties as well, because we were able to, and I say we uh, representative, I mean Representative Strain. I'll show you how old I am, but anyway, Commissioner Mike Strain. Uh, and I and others worked with the author of this piece of legislation, which originally was supposed to just ban agricultural burning uh, period if it, if it was allowed to pass. Um, long story short, we turned it into a piece of legislation that is going to create a study if it passes. And so we'll sit down with all interested parties, uh, take their comments, work with them and see, you know, if there's any positive changes that we need to look at these prescribed burning laws we have on the books. This is a 60-day fiscal session, Joe. How yes. does that play into the fiscal session? <laughs> it's not a fiscal bill. It's not a fiscal matter. You know, Carl, that's a great question because some years ago we passed a piece of legislation saying that every other year would be a fiscal session only. Mm -hmm. would, that's it, tax exemptions. That's raising new taxes. Any tax reform type of something, approving a budget, right? Like that, that kind every, of stuff. Everything you just listed. That's correct. And so we shouldn't have any pieces of legislation in there that don't deal with that list that you just cited right there. However, <laughs> almost immediately after we passed that law, we passed another one that said, except five bills per legislator related to any subject matter. <laughs> so I don't know what the math is, 144 times five, but it's somewhere it's over 700. I've done it before. Okay. And, and, you know, so you've got 700 pieces of legislation that could be related to anything other than the budget. And then I've seen sets of amendments that are 150 pages long. If each amendment passed, it would have the effect of law. So calculate that, and you don't know how many are out there or how many might come. But the 700, point is... 720, by the way. 720. I, just, I just did it in my head. Okay. 
<laughs> but, so but, it's not a fiscal matter, but it is an important matter that that which, is what's being not a fiscal matter. The, the no agriculture, agriculture burning. burning. No, and I guess that would be the wisdom in having five bills per legislator. Uh, maybe we could have a few less, but then there may be topics out there that need to be discussed. Mm-hmm. Now, I would argue, I would argue that every nine months, because it's not a year between sessions, it's every nine months. I would argue we probably don't need thousands of laws changed, you know. But mm-hmm. then again, I wouldn't make a living as a lobbyist, right? If if we did that. <laughs> I've got an idea for a legislative session where all we can do is repeal laws. Mm. Hmm. A little, li- that would little be... libertarian, are you, Joe? <laughs> well, I can go the other way easily. I say instead of 3,000 bills, we file 30,000 bills and we break the system, okay? <laughs> we start over from scratch. So. <laughs> well, we're not going to start this podcast over from scratch. No. But I do. So, where? what's the status, I guess, of this agricultural? Is it becoming a, a study? Yes. What's, and that's what the author had agreed on? with. The, um, I, did, I wasn't in on that conversation myself, but Commissioner Mike Strain talked with the author uh, and agreed to file a study, and that's the way it came out. And uh, so, yes, we'll all be involved, and the study will include every, all of the interested parties, mm-hmm. you know, affected parties. One thing before we started recording, you were talking about the, the strength of the, the burning, I guess, laws and legislation the around. The prescribed burning prescribed laws that burning. we have on the books today. Are they, you said they were really great. What yeah. makes them really great? Well, they've been studied to death before, okay, mm-hmm. and they've been in practice for many years. And when when farmers and their workers follow these laws, there are no complaints. And in this instance, it was people outside of the law. This is our title. This is our agricultural law. Somebody broke it. We can't prevent that. Mm-hmm. That's law enforcement's job to go out there and get them after that and stop, you know, and and, and deal with it, you know, in the system after that. And the big thing the is, revolt. if if you follow if you follow all the rules then you can't be held liable for what happens. And that's a big reason for laws right. in the first place. So right? if you don't follow the laws, if you don't follow all the rules for prescribed burning, you are on the hook for whatever damage is caused by that. And I, to me, that, to, that's a huge deterrent. That, that would make me call up the be. weather service anytime I even think about starting, you know, starting a fire. And so... That's where I think that that law really it has its teeth. Mm-hmm. Is it, that it, it it holds you liable if you do not follow the the rules. Well, let me also bring up this. We talk about it, and and you know, with stories we do for Twyla, sometimes we'll talk about you know the amount of chemical farmers are putting out and and their um, I guess, I guess the expense of it, mm-hmm. and and nobody's just spraying out willy nilly Roundup just because they love to spend money on Roundup. I think the same would probably be true. Farmers don't, like the burning is just a, a part of like their best practices that they must do to maintain their land, right? Like it's not something they are just like, wake up like, I'm ready to start a fire today. Like it's, right. it's a part of the practice that they must do to take care of the land best, right? Like it's not something that, and in fairness, it's not an optional thing really, is it? I mean, to an extent. There, there, there are some folks who are working on some options, especially in the, uh, in the sugarcane industry, mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, uh, the Andres, mm-hmm. uh, Hugh Andre and his, his brothers, they've been working on some practices to clear residue uh, through mechanical means rather than burning. And there but, comes your cost, and for some farmers it's cost prohibitive. Right. And, and so, so it's, it's a technolo- technological advance, and we should all be making it you know, at this time in the world, but not all of the farmers can make it at this time. Mm-hmm. That's what know? I'm saying. It's not an optional thing 100%. 
right. for, for folks. That's yeah, you've got to clear the residue. And if you mandated it, then there goes the family farm. We'd have these big commercial farms, and we can go to talking about dairy here in a minute. I forgot that earlier. We need to talk about that seriously. Yeah. Well, that's it's just a it's a full topic that is outside of the fiscal world, but it sounds like it's yeah. something that we need to kind of. So is the dairy bill that I forgot to mention earlier. So what is that? Tell me what's going on with that. So Senator Beth Mizell, who's the president pro tem in the Senate, who's from Washington Parish. Can anybody in the room list where the ba- last bastion of the dairy farmer is in Louisiana? I would guess there. That would be Washington Parish. Yeah. Can anybody guess how many dairy farms there were in uh, operation when Sandy and I started representing this company in 1980? I remember I heard a statistic. I don't know when it was, but at one point there were 2,000 dairies in the greater New Orleans area. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And whenever I started this job, or when I was an intern here in 2014, there were 210 dairies in mm-hmm. Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Now we're down to about 50. I was about to ask where we're at now. Yeah, we're down to about 50. So mm-hmm. this bill would allow milk to be sold below cost. So what that does is it allows Costco and Walmart to sell milk below cost. So Klein-Peter Farms, for example, here in Baton Rouge, has got 14 local farms that supply dairy to, you know, to them. They couldn't compete with that. Okay, they, they, Klein-Peter couldn't compete, and I guess you could call that a boutique dairy, but there goes Klein-Peter and there goes those 14 farmers too. So there goes Louisiana's small family farm, fall, small family dairy farm. Okay, mm-hmm. now what happens? Well, you get low prices on milk for a little while, real low prices, until Walmart and Costco decide that you don't, for whatever reason. And then they either raise the prices to wherever they want, or they lock you out of milk. Why would they do that? I don't know. You know, but why do we need to go there? Uh, there's no rational reason for this. Um, so the bill, I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off, but the bill, just so I understand. Would it, allow milk to be sold below the cost of production. Why would we pass that? Why would we want that? You'd have to speak with the author of the bill, and, and I, you might want to see if we could set up an interview with her and sit down and talk about it, but that would devastate the, the remaining 50-some-odd uh, farms that we have. It just seems counterproductive to farmers to want to sell their product for less than what it costs to make it like well they can't farmers can't but big dairies big commercial dairies can they okay? can take a loss just yeah to, i mean to they're, yeah, it's volume it's all volume i mean you've seen the commercial dairies they're they're, they're like cities mm-hmm. you know interesting well yeah. the the other thing there is folk you know bigger stores can make that a loss leader in that they bring people in for the low price of the milk, but then sell the there's Oreos a, a at it. a bigger, a bigger like gasoline. profit margin. The Chevron doesn't make money off of gasoline. It makes money off of cigarettes and beer and everything else. When you, know? you go into the convenience store side. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the idea behind why Costco and Walmart would want to be able to do that. Where it becomes detrimental is... If you allow them to sell milk below cost, that then doesn't put Kleinpeter, Flowing Hills, and um, Felicianas Best on equal footing because they're not going to have their milk marked down below cost. It's going to be the store brand, great value cost in the case plus. of Walmart. Yeah, because we're price takers and not price makers. We can't so, pass that on to the consumer. Exactly. So the consumer is going to buy by price point. Mm-hmm. And is going to get that cheaper milk instead of the locally produced, and and which will be 
probably at a higher price. Y'all ask me, I'm sorry, Avery, I no. cut you off, but y'all ask me the motivation behind this bill. All I can tell you is that the senator shared a personal story with me where she was able to get discounts uh, for Dan and Yogurt in Mississippi where her daughter with her grand, you know, they had the grandbaby there, mm -hmm. but she wasn't able to get the same discounts in Louisiana. So she filed a bill in regard to the Dairy Stabilization Act a few years ago. I don't know if you remember it. Anyway, we turned that into a study and we studied it for the nine month interim and really came up with nothing except the Dairy Stabilization Act is very complicated. We did determine that. Uh, but here she comes with this bill this time, and in talking with Mike Strain, he tells me that he's given over since that bill, and I think during this past year, he's given 200,000 discounts on Dan and Yogurt uh, in Louisiana, which they weren't giving before, but now they're, they're doing mm -hmm. so. So again, the motivation for this bill is not quite clear. But I can tell you that the remaining dairy farmers are upset. I mean, we're upset. You know, this is an institution. Maybe maybe it's changing, but, you know, we don't just need to snuff out the last 50 farms. Well, I think we just need to go back to 2020 and remember what it was like trying to find beef in the grocery store. That's and my point. So know? having a local source of anything, any food product, is 100%. a good idea because, I mean, even— Milk. I, I was looking at Feliciana's best whenever I was trying to get milk during the the, the lockdown. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got to have a source for these staples. Mm -hmm. For your babies. I mean, for yeah. real. You know, I yeah. got a brand, grandbaby right now that just turned one in December. Well, guess what? We're trying to convert her from the powder over to the milk, you know? It's, right. a, it's a critical stage, oh. so we need some milk, you know? It keeps going even at 10 years old, because my son <laughs> Luke, he has about three chocolate milks hollow, a day. Hollow bones, huh? He's oh, got hollow bones. man, he just he just keeps filling up on... We we alone keep Louisiana's dairy industry <laughs> going did. very I, well. I drank a bunch of milk <laughs> as a kid, too. My mom always had it around. All right, well, I got to ask, so now let's shift gears a little bit. We've talked about two, two bills that are out there that we're kind of keeping an eye on that are not fiscally related. Are there a couple, I know there's a couple more that we just talked about before we start recording the farmer's card. And there's That's not also fiscally related farmer's cards, not, it's, well, an no, it's an interesting question. You have to have it to get your tax. How exemption? is that not fiscally related? Because the tax exemptions are in the tax code section of the law. They're already there. And the farmer's card definition is in title three of the law. And it just says what tax exemptions and exclusions for which you are eligible, eligible. Okay. Interesting. So, okay. So, so yeah. No, I didn't. I'm not going to play like I'm on a on a high hill here because you, you are. I didn't know this until just a few weeks ago for the first time myself because we had to research this question because we we were trying to find a, an author that each those five bills those legislators can file those anytime before a deadline. Mm -hmm. Okay. But then there's a pre-filing deadline where they can file bills. Okay. So the big question, I think, file. Any one of those five bills or none of them in the pre-file. So they can hold the cards closer to their chest and wait for the second uh, filing, you know, which is what we were doing with the farmer's card. Mm -hmm. And so we were like, does he have one of his five left? Does he or does she have? We're trying to find an author, right? Fortunately, uh, Representative Jack McFarland, who's the chairman of the House Ag Committee, had all of his five spoken for, quote unquote. But uh, he decided this was so important to agriculture uh, and farm bureau that he wanted to, you know, author this bill. So, so, so it's not fiscally related. No, but, but you Isn't can understand how I would think it is because you I thought did. it was. Me and 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 some staff attorneys over in the Senate also thought that it was tax related. We started pursuing it. What I'm trying to say is, we were trying to find a tax bill 
Okay. And mm-hmm. and and finally somebody said, "No, you better find one of those five non-tax bills that's available because this is not a tax bill." Mm, interesting. Yeah. So tell us about what that yeah, is. Yeah, I was about to say, what what are we what's what's the change here? Why is it important? It, as far as the definition of commercial farmer? Correct. Well, real quick, let's back let's go back in the go back machine real quick. Yeah, the farmer's the card became machine. a thing. Yes. What, a few years ago? 4 years ago. 4 years ago. Yeah. You want me to tell, tell you? Tell what tell us what that farmer's card does. Well, your farmer's card says that to, to a vendor, to a, somebody at the feed and seed store at the co-op, for example, it says to them that you're a bona fide farmer as approved by the state, so you're eligible for the state and any local uh, tax exemptions and exclusions on agricultural inputs like feed, seed, fertilizer, irrigation, polypipe, for example, Fence, tractors. Fencing materials. Uh, tires on your tractors, yeah. yeah. Anything really that... and. We'll come back to fencing materials mm-hmm. uh, here in a minute. Yeah, but like basic supplies you need to run your farm. Correct. And feed the world. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, exactly. So that's already a thing. Like there's already a farmer's card out there that farmers can have in their hand and take to the feed and seed store, right? Correct. So it's we're just, revisiting now, four yes. years later, that topic. Yes. And that's because of beginning farmers, correct? Exactly. So, so a beginning farmer, for example, we've got some... Uh, guy that wants to come back and farm the land adjacent to his family's farm up in Caddo Parish right now, but he doesn't think he can make that first year without the exclusions and exemptions that would be afforded to him if he had that bona fide farmer status. Mm -hmm. So we're going to remove that requirement to file a Schedule F, which is a federal form and or similar forms. Okay, we're going to remove the form filing. So you ask then, well, what's the requirement to be a farmer? And this is what we've wanted for four years just like Texas, okay? So we have some of our farmers that are in Louisiana that also have farmer's card in Texas. How do you get it? You apply for it. Mm -hmm. Do you turn in any forms or bank statements or anything? No. You say, I'm Avery Davidson, and I'm a farmer, okay? Are you lying? Well, guess what? Department of Revenue has agents that randomly check these co-op stores, you know, if they're giving out these exemptions, you know, if when they're not supposed to or not, they also can check on individuals and do and have in the past. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, we can only make the law. We can't uh, speak for everybody that violates the law, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, just for someone that's not, I would have had this question had we not talked about it a minute ago. The right. Schedule F is something you file at the end of a year of doing business as a farmer. Yes. Right. So with your federal income tax. As a tax. Right. So you'd have to be a farmer for, for an year. entire year. Without those exemptions and exclusions. Yeah. Paying full price for everything. Trying to start your first year in the year that you need the most help. I was about to say the toughest year <laughs> you'll ever have. And every other farmer in the state gets those exemptions and exclusions. And keep this in mind, every other farmer in the nation gets those exemptions and mm-hmm. exclusions. So if you're not getting your exemptions and exclusions because the process is too complicated, that's a shame. Mm-hmm. Okay, And if you're lying about being a farmer, that's a shame too. But they got people that lie about being FBI agents every day too. Does that mean that the FBI violated the law? No, that means the people that tried to be an FBI agent try, you know, violated the law. So... Sound like you're speaking from personal experience? Well, I saw a show. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say on the on the farmer's card. You know, you're talking about we are trying to encourage young people yes. to get into agriculture, Good point. not and, trying to put up blockades. Right, and that that truly is uh, a blockade to that. No, mm. it's an impediment to getting a career started. There's no doubt. If if there's luxuries like exemptions afforded to others that are in the startup same you know and i I shouldn't have said the word luxuries but if there's considerations given like Mm -hmm. that they should be given all 
Yeah. You know? Well, let me, let me ask this. What's the support like outside of, I mean, you have Representative McFarlane. Yes. What's the support like from outside of, like, you know, him and, and this maybe Ag Committee? Yeah. Uh, we haven't polled anybody, you know, what we call a hard take sheet just yet. But but going back to the way I told you all we like to talk about this, the farmer's card. I mean, come on. We're helping farmers, you know, which helps everybody because, mm-hmm. you know, everybody eats food. Right, mm-hmm. Carl? I'm not going to make that statistic quote, but, you know. And yeah, and I don't grow food. Right. So it's my social duty to make sure that those around me who do grow food are able to continue doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the way I always thought about these exemptions is yeah. as someone who is not growing his own food. We're benefiting like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The you other know. day, I paid a guy $500 of pressure wash, pressure wash around the house, and Sandy said, my God, I can't believe you paid him that much. And I said, Sandy, I wouldn't have done that for $500. I was about to say, that was cheap, because the last quote I got at my place was 2500 so yeah. I need your guy. Yeah. I need your guy, man. <laughs> shows shows how big your house is. <laughs> but but it's, well, a good, it's a good point, Avery. We can't, we, we're busy you know, with our own careers and our own lives, and we depend on the farmers, and we t- depend on them to be able to produce food you know mm-hmm. and and so yeah it's 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 it, it hits us personally but at the same time um yes Carl. no i was just gonna say the sacrifice of every single farmer and rancher in in the state and in the country allows us to be lobbyists and pr folks that that get to we just fortunately get to work with that same mm-hmm. class of folks that i happen to be quite fond of right you know i think it's i mean it it allows us the ability to pursue whatever career we want because they're out there taking the risks and, you know, working the long days and the hard hours. So the least we can do from our side of is civilization, them. yeah, is, or, or just not fight them. Well, no, that's not yeah, make it, it harder. Yeah, like, well, for me, my job as a lobbyist and my, in regard to my clients is promotion and protection. And when it comes to agriculture, it's generally been protection through the years. Mm. Well, we don't you. ask for much. Well, before we wrap this up, because I know we're starting to get to the end of our time here, uh, Let's talk a little bit about the number one priority for this session, and that's re-election, yes, right? <laughs> yes, that's the number one issue this session. Because we're coming up, there are a number of open statewide seats now. Uh, I mean, you have an open race for governor, although we have a number of candidates who've announced, and we're going to invite them to the Louisiana Farm Bureau annual meeting in June to have a, uh, a gubernatorial forum there. But you also have open for... Uh, attorney general, an open race for treasurer, and an open race for secretary of state. What's that going to do uh, when it comes to people running for the legislature? Well, the 15 in the House and nine in the Senate, those seats will be open. So those people are out, that are going to run for those seats, they're out there running right now, whoever they are. Um, as far as the statewide offices and them running, they're going to want to be affiliated and known with some of these issues that are in this session so they can, you know, transfer that to the campaign trail. So you'll see some of them possibly taking uh, more of the limelight on issues that maybe they wouldn't have before. Um, And I'm not sure exactly what those issues would be. I I could guess, but I'm not going to step into that one, quite frankly. But I I think that the statewide races will have some some effect on uh, the politics at the Capitol, you know. I mean, you're trying, they're trying to garner support, too. Mm-hmm. You know, some of those people that are in the legislature, they're trying to garner support for these races. And, you know, right now, I can tell you that what 
most of us are concerned about is the fish that are on the table right now, which is the legislature. You know, mm -hmm. we're not concerned so much about the elections coming. We got until June 8th to take care of some business here. I, I hate to backtrack because we're going back to another bill, but in central Louisiana, you talked about another bill a minute ago. You talked about the you talked about fencing materials with uh -huh. farmers card. Right. There is a fiscal exemptions bill that we didn't talk about. And I didn't know if you wanted to talk about that. Which one? From um, Mike Johnson. Oh, yeah. He's got a couple of them. And what they would do... I, I just thought they were, they were kind of important. They played back in that farmer's card, and, and I know you referenced it, so I wanted to make sure we no, they're didn't important. leave our listener hanging. I mean, look, probably I don't, I don't know the numbers on this, but probably most of the other states have exemptions on these materials already. So, again, we've got to have as many exemptions and exclusions as possible to remain competitive with the other states. So, Especially our neighbors. Especially our neighbors, or we'll lose revenue to them mm -hmm. because our Louisiana residents who have farmers' cards in both states will just go there and buy not just their agricultural inputs, uh, but they'll also buy who knows what. You know, make a friendship with a car dealer and start buying their cars there, even though they don't get a tax break. Um, anyway, we've got two bills. One would allow an exemption for damages done to fences and trailers. And only uh, related to only named storms. Mm -hmm. And then we have another bill that would allow the same exemption uh, for trailer damage and fence damage, just wide open. So would those be passed, ideally both passed, or, or are they one or the other? I mean, if you're living in an ideal world, you just pass the one that allows exclusions anytime. Across the board. Okay. And, and, okay. And, and why somebody might be against this bill is they might say, hey, this is an exemption. So that means this is revenue that the state could have collected, but we're, we're, they're not going to collect it now. But our, but our argument, and it's proved scientifically, is this is an investment, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and in the long run, it pays more to keep this agricultural commodity or process in motion moving forward than it does to let it shut down. And again, but go back to feed, feeding, you know, it goes back to feeding people. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, something else I'd like to talk about is the fact that, you know, a lot of times you talked about protecting and uh, promoting a lot of times what we at Farm Bureau do, what you do is kill bills. Yes. And this is not one we're trying to kill. This is something that we're actually, you know, for. Right. And that's not want to say rare, but it's, I feel like it's, it's nice to talk about. We're not just always out killing stuff. We're trying to, to help pass things that are for yeah. the farmer. But it's also nice to talk about. We're not out asking for a whole lot for farmers either mm -hmm. we just basically want to be left alone you know we our motto should be farm bureau federation just leave us alone okay <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll be fine okay but instead they, they they look at us and they go oh they're getting all these exclusions and exemptions how much is that well first of all you can't tell how much an exclusion is because it didn't exist to begin with but that didn't stop the louisiana legislature a few years they ago put from, a number on it huh? putting yeah. a number on it that's right and again, I won't repeat that number because it wasn't real, but they never did before the budget really started hurting after 08, which that was the whole country. But for Louisiana, they started sniffing around agriculture. They never looked for revenue from us before. But, you know, it's like a big, the legislature is like a big gun turret, you know, and it's, and it's searching, searching, and then it lands on your industry, you know, doo -doo, and they're going to come after you. And they finally did a few years ago. And ever since then, now when these discussions come up at the Capitol and they come up just a few weeks before the session, they come up all year long, hey, we should remove all exclusions and exemptions for all industries and all professions. Well, guess what? We never were included in that conversation. Now we are. Well, hey, I really wanted to – I know we're trying to wrap up, and we have guests outside, Mr. Yeah. Uh, Malanson, Mr. McCann out there. Uh, but I know we talked about it this morning. We have a few – 
capital days. Young farmers, yep. women's leadership, capital days. What do those look like? I mean, I know you're very involved in kind of bringing our young farmers or our women around. Yeah, we had 4-H there this past 4-H. Week. Yeah. yeah. What does that look like? Uh, I guess, is it is it just a, a time to come and see the room where it happens? What what, is, what do those capital days oh, no. look like? Listen, my, my motto is if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. That's all about participation. So, no, it's not just some little fluff tour Come see the turtles and the alligators up in the in the masonry up at the top of the uh, you know capital mm-hmm. room the rotunda. By the way, they they painted the whole rotunda's ceiling with sugar cane. Mm. It's beautiful if you're ever in there. It's just that's complete aside to what your question was. <laughs> but what what do what those days look like? Yeah. So when the 4-H came last week, uh, what I recommended is we all meet in the rotunda and I show them the sugar cane paint like I just told you, and then we all load up the legislative website on our phones and there's a tool on the website for you to enter your address and find out who your legislator is. Then you can look, then we get, got the kids to look at the picture of the legislator in case they didn't know him. So if they saw him anywhere around the Capitol in the committee area in the morning or around the chambers in the afternoon, they could stop them and say, hey, you know, and then we all, and say, hey, I'm a constituent, I want to talk to you about how important ag is. So we also found out which ones were on committees, which kids, 4-H kids had legislators that were serving on committees. We sent notes in to those legislators. Hey, you've got a, a constituent 4-H'er out here. So they are, and then in the afternoon, they had tables in the rotunda with educational materials, and, and the kids all stood behind them, and there were some giveaways and whatnot. And so as the legislators stopped by, they you know, stopped them and, and talked to them. And again, they sent notes into the House floor uh, to, to their legislators, constituent legislators, to come out and talk to them. Mm-hmm. All right? And then I called the governor's office to see if they could do a tour up there and they did allow us to come up there and go into the press room and into the governor's office itself on the fourth floor in the Capitol. Kids were thrilled with that. And I told them that they could write this governor a thank you note because for eight years as a state rep and for the almost eight years as a governor now, he's been good to agriculture, rural Louisiana, and Farm Bureau. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's that was a day that was, I mean, and then they would have breakout sessions four or five of them be sitting here, there, and I would go over and talk to them, and, and I would explain to them. They'd had a lot of questions. And then I would explain to them, you know, parts of the process, uh, how a bill's passed, how a bill's drafted, you know, why a bill is, you know, what motivation is behind a bill sometimes, because it's not always what it seems. And So it's not just a tour when, oh, you, no. when, it's, when it's, we it's, bring people to the uh, Capitol, No, it's right? not a tour. It's, it's a way to show them and tell them how to participate and say, look, you know, a lot of people are intimidated by the process. A lot of a lot of that is by design too. But they think, well, only bank presidents and you know lawyers and and people like that can sit at a witness table in a committee room. No, anybody can, mm-hmm. and and everybody needs to know that. And you have I, you and I have talked about this a lot, Carl. But it the process is is accessible, you know, by anyone, and I recommend everybody access it mm-hmm. and utilize it. Yeah, we have those dates on our calendar coming up in May. Looking forward to that. I believe it's May 10th and May 23rd that's for correct. each of them, respectfully. And uh, that's a really good time for our leadership to really meet the leadership at the uh, the state capitol. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's time for us to wrap up because I know that uh, we've all got some things that we need to do. Uh, Joe, you got to get back to the capitol. Carl, you got to get back to producing Twyla. Yeah, I got to get some work done. Yep. So with that, I'm Avery Davidson. Thank you for joining us because Joe. If you're not at the table, you're on the menu.